Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic podcast. I'm Gary Armstrong and today I'm joined by Record Sports Anthony Haggerty and Record Celtic vlogger Jamie Flynn. On the pod today, we analyse Celtic's comeback victory at Fir Hill. We ask the Dumbelli question, will he stay or will he go? We also look at Rodgers' refusal to name Lee Griffiths as his first choice striker if Dumbelli departs. We'll also have a look at the January transfer window so far for the Hoops. Is it what we expected from the club? And finally, we'll preview Celtic versus Hibs in this weekend's game in what's likely to be a tough match for Brendan Rodgers and his men. So, first off, gents, we had Partick Festival against Celtic last night, a 2-1 victory for the Hoops. Jamie, how did you rate the performance overall of Celtic? I mean, it was a a game of two halves, quite quite literally. The the, the first half was was pretty atrocious and they they would have struggled to be much worse. Um, But, you know, I thought the second half was was a real improvement. I thought when the Cham came into the game, obviously with the addition of Griffiths, it, it really turned things around. Um, and what we need from Celtic now is more of those second half performances, and they they really need to stop with the, the first half performance. I think the Jamie touched on there. It was a game of two halves, and I think every Celtic supporter was clamouring for Lee Griffiths to come on for something to happen in the, the last third of the park because nothing happened in the first half. And as much as he seemed, Brendan Rodgers seems to rate Edward, he doesn't do enough for my liking and the whole complexion of that game changed the minute Lee Griffiths walked onto the park. First thing he did was take a shot which was deflected but he did more in the first few seconds of the second half than Edward did in the whole of the first half and you knew you knew then there was a sea change and Celtic would attack as James said and Sham came into the game as well and it was kind of it was it was more or less inevitable what, what was going to happen but they still struggled to I think I think teams have sort of learned over the course how to play against this Celtic team, but it takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of fitness. And I think it was Craig Levine that said after the Hearts game that he measured our Champions League performances and he realised every player in the Hearts team had to run about 11k that day to put the pressure on Celtic. I don't know if every team in the league can do that. Certainly not for 90 minutes. It, the irony is last season Celtic caught everybody unawares with that high pressing game. Yeah. And before they knew it, they were out of the game before he'd even had a chance to get in it. You know, now that Celtic are going to touch their own medicine, you may know, say that a lot of clubs are it's all about the fitness and trying to match Celtic and play that high-pressing game on them. And Celtic find it difficult sometimes to come to combat that, the Hearts game being the the, the one that, where they just they just couldn't get to grips with it. I, th- I, th- I just wish Celtic stuck to their own game at times, you know. Celtic are very adaptable you know if somebody wants to play the high press we can play over them which isn't really my preferred way of playing and I don't think it's it really suits us but we, we've got players there who can pass the ball and what annoys me is when we do the high press or when the high press is done against us it's the, the defence's inability to pass a lot of the time 
that really puts us under pressure. I think that was inevitable. That you saw that last night for yourself, the likes of Ayer, uh, Lustig, and Boyata. The amount of times that they created their own problems. Yeah. You know, and, and for a manager who has seen everything and sees a lot, and you can't really be questioned domestically what he's done so far. Surely you must see that Celtic need defenders or a, or a new defender. I know he's brought in Compare and we, we or Compare, whatever, however you pronounce it, uh, and he he should and will make a difference, but he's still tinkering away with who's the best Ayer, uh, Seminovic or Boyata. There's a, there's a lot of that this season which has surprised me, you know, at the back, in the middle and up front. There's a lot of rotation, there's a lot of... I, I don't know if maybe... And I don't think he, he likes being called a tinker man, but... I mean, from the outside looking in, he, he has been. Do you think he's starting to? With his squad do you think he's starting to question himself a wee bit, Rogers? Do you think he's starting to change things and then go, "Oh, I shouldn't have changed that. I need to put it back." You, you can analyse things too deeply, but can't you? You mm. can think about things too deeply. You know, it, it worked greatly last season. For you, Tony, is it a case that he likes rotating his team, or is it a case that he doesn't know his best starting eleven? You kind of have to say the latter, don't you? Because last season the team more or less picked itself. They were beating everybody in sight and convincingly handsomely and playing some really good football. This season, from the very outset, it's just not been right. And he hasn't got the formula and the mix that hasn't gone as, as smoothly as he maybe hoped, which has led to, as Jamie was saying there, possibly overthinking things. I, I, questioning I, himself sometimes as well when, when he probably knows... Who's the best players for certain positions in certain games? And you have to have the courage of your convictions, but you know, how many times has he rotated the team this season? I think, I think, I don't know if it's necessarily as broad as that, though. I think there's there's three key areas where the rotation happens, or there's only three key areas in the pitch, but the defensive rotation happens because a defender lets him down nearly every week until he settled on, <laughs> until he settled on Ayer. Um, midfield, there's been a lot of injuries, and I think he sees in Cham and Armstrong having two different roles. What Armstrong's role in the team is at the moment, I, I struggle to know because I don't think Armstrong's a shadow of the player he was towards the tail end of last season. And I think in Cham is someone who needs games and needs confidence, but he's got more ability than Armstrong. And then up front, you've got three strikers. One he doesn't trust in Griffiths, one who apparently wants out the door in Dembele, and one who, uh, the only reason I think he's getting games is because we're preparing for Dembele to go and we need him to be up to speed. Sure. I, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more, but I, I also, Ayer, I, Ayer as well, who's come in and signed, had a, a lengthy run on the side, but if you look at Ayer, Ayer's very reluctant to pass a ball back to the goalkeeper. I get, I get. He, he likes to come forward and stroll forward, and I always think, see with defenders, see when they start thinking they're a player, that's when they... Well, he used to be a midfielder, of course. Yeah, I mean, maybe he feels very comfortable doing that, but if you're watching a central defender, with the ball at his feet and he starts advancing 10, 20, 30 yards hearts are in mouse. you just think to yourself where are you going what are you doing defend first I feel, I, feel feel like I'm a, I feel like I'm on a one man island here and, and when I criticise Ayer there was a few people on the island with me beginning with but the more he plays the more I'm more and more out moaning this I'd, there was a few things that happened in the Rangers game you know his positioning was poor he ducked out the ball a couple of times like you say, he's not a defender. So I think his inclination is to take the ball into areas of the pitch where he's most comfortable. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that at all. And if that, if he feels that he's he's a natural footballer, then then so be it. But I think he's very early in his Celtic career to 
to start taking chances yeah. like when, when you're playing that position. Who do you think Comper's going to replace? Do you think it'll be Boyata or Aya in that? In that when he's fit? Again, I think he'll rotate that. You think? Until he finds who, who, which one, which two dovetail together. Perfectly. But yeah. he, he will rotate that until he finds the, the perfect formula. At, at this moment in time, he seems to like Aya for some reason. And I think, I think Boyata's regressed. Mm. Everyone thought he came on a turn last season. And he, and he became the player that people thought initially they'd signed. But this season, they would say that he's gone back to being unsteady, unsure of himself, cumbersome. You know, when he gets the ball and, and some, I mean, he had a back pass last night that he bulleted towards Greg Gordon. And I think and he didn't want it at the time. I, I don't know if you remember that. I think that's. I think that's the key, though. I think Boyata now is having to do more with the ball than he was expected to last season, and he's uncomfortable. And I think Boyata is a good defender. He's He's good at everything except the, having the ball at his feet. Yeah, and and when you're a Celtic defender, there's one thing you will have is possession of the ball, mm. and you have to start from the back, which is what the manager wants. So you need to be comfortable. More generally, Jamie, I mean, there was a lot of talk in the month or two leading up to the winter break that Celtic looked jaded. I mean, that Hearts result almost inevitable by the way Celtic had played. Did he still look jaded to you? On the basis of last night and and the Scottish Cup, okay, it's hard to judge in two games. But are you confident of Celtic going into this Europa League tie in about three weeks' time? Well, there's a, there's a couple of issues there. First of all, the, I agree they looked jaded before the winter break. Will a week or two weeks in Dubai fix all the ills with a football team? I don't necessarily think that's the case. Did they look better when they came back? It's, it's, it, there's, a, there's a lot to do with perception here. I think Celtic had a bad first half against Partick Thistle, but see if they played the way they played for the whole 90 minutes, the way they played in the second half, I don't think we would be having this discussion. You're always going to get bad games, I think. I, I'm just, I've just got a feeling that I think the winter break has helped. We're just not seeing the benefit of that yet. And I think over the next couple of weeks, as the game... I mean, if you look through Celtic's fixtures, I've been breaking Thistle... Hibs, Hearts, and then more into the Europa League. Yeah, you've got Kilmarnock away. Kilmarnock away, well, yeah. And then the Scottish Cup at home to Partick. And picking up on the perception point, you're talking about the most historical football season in Scottish football history. You can never better. So Celtic were never yeah. going to better that this season. You know, winning a, a domestic treble uh, as an invincible team. So is it almost a case of being too harsh on them? It's not much too harsh. But I think people it's people were expecting the, the same. It, it was never ever going to happen. Bad days at the office happened. They, yeah. they never happened domestically last season. There wasn't a bad day at the office. I think everybody looks no. into everything too much you now. Know, and we can analyse and dissect yeah. every Celtic performance. Yep, there was an element of being jaded that that culminated in the, the Tyne Castle result, where they were well and truly hammered. You know, and, yep, but. That could have happened at any point last season. It just didn't. And they set such a high bar under Brendan that now the slightest thing is being, you know, it was a game or two halves. They were terrible the first half. But there was a vast improvement the second half. You know, they went and did their job. They won the mm-hmm. game. You know, so it is, there's a, there is a real perception here of, you know, a, a danger of going over the top when Celtic don't hit the heights that they did last season. But... That, that, as I say, that's an incomparable season yeah. to any any other, you know. And I think also on the jaded thing, I think Brendan Rodgers, to an extent, and maybe th- 
for positive reasons, let that permeate into the camp. I think he allowed the players to say openly, oh, we're jaded, we're tired, we need the break. Because then when you come out of the break, you think, great, I've had my break, I'm, I'm ready to go, and there's, there's not this constant negativity. So I think there's a lot of... One thing that might have helped it, though, and we'll touch on it, is bringing in new faces. That rejuvenates mm. people, that, you know, with fans. You know, everybody, fresh face coming in, gives other people a G up, you know, within the squad. Oh, he wants my position, that kind of thing. And that hasn't happened, so... And normally by this time when the transfer window said it would have maybe brought in it and that's not to say there's still a week to go, which is a very long time yeah. in terms of transfer window. So, you know, that and, and all the talk's been kinda negative in terms of it's still barely going. Yeah, well that's what we're just gonna yeah. come on to at the moment, Tony. It's the main talking point. So for you, will will Dembele still be a Celtic player come the first of February? <laughs> that's the second dollar question, isn't it? You know, I, I've got, I've got two bonds. I, I genuinely think Dembele is happy at Celtic, but he's unhappy at not playing. And yeah. Like any footballer, they want to play football matches, and when he's not playing against Brecon and Partick Thistle, then you wonder, what's the message that's been sent out here? Do Celtic want shot of him? Do they want an excess of twenty million pound bid to come in from someone to get him out the door? You know, and is that what is that the, the game that they're now playing that they they want to cash in on this asset? Now and, and get that money in the bank, which is fine. But uh, you know, and Chris Sutton said a few things that he said he, he's happy. And, but if you come to a man that's sitting on the bench, of course I'm not going to be happy. And and breaking in part of this, I probably thought he'd have scored a few goals against either those opposition, which is no disrespect to them, but probably just the way the man's feeling. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about spending 20 million on a guy, you would like to think you could go out and score against breaking and but will he be there? Well, the clock's ticking down. There's a, there's a week to go. It could all happen in the last day. But at the moment, you have to say he's a Celtic player at the moment. And unless someone comes in with the money that Celtic want, then he'll probably remain till the end of the season. I thought Celtic's comment or Chris Davies' comment about how his head was turned was peculiar because not it's not often you'll hear a club official talk like that, especially when there's no bid being made. And I, I, so it's, it's left me questioning, you know, what are what are Celtic's motivations? Was that a management thing to try and spur the player on to prove, nah, my head's not been turned, I'm going to show you's? Or was it Celtic saying, listen, we know you're out there sniffing about, putting a bid because yeah, he wants to go? Yeah, Celtic trying to flush out clubs. But yeah. What I will say about Chris Davis and Brendan Rodgers' take on Dumbelli and his head's been turned is they see him every day. Yeah. So they know his body language, his attitude, his commitment to the, the training cause in the past couple of weeks so maybe they are seeing something which indicates that he wants to move on you know but the only way you'll get a move you, you'll get a move by scoring against Beacon and Patrick Sisson there's when you, there are the games when you make your moves know the high profile games when everybody sees that you're a good player or thinks you're a good player and you prove it you prove it in games like Beacon and Patrick Sisson the other night eh, last night they're the games when you earn a move when you're determined to go out, add to your tally, and you do, and, and, and that's that's in my opinion where, where big moves are won and lost when they can say, well, there's a game where you maybe not give your all. There's a guy that's given his all and and, and he's proven that he, he wants it. You know. To answer your question, though, yeah, I think he will. Although the follow-up is, where does that leave Celtic? Because you've got a player who's unhappy, you've got a player who the club say wants to move. He's not really playing. 
he's no first choice, but I don't think someone's going to come in with an acceptable yeah, bid. Yeah. And, and also as well, you, you, is this having an effect on the dressing room? You know, you, you just don't know. Well, we've seen, obviously not comparable, the effect that Alexis Sanchez seems to have had in the Arsenal dressing room. He's been agitating for a move for a lot longer and it's been a lot more in, in plain sight, so to speak. But that can happen if you see an unhappy guy beside you in the dressing room. It'd be unfair and Dembele to label that if he's agitating for a move if he isn't. That's true, you know, we that don't actually yeah. know that. That's, you can't state that as fact, but you just there's a, there's a lot of factors there. You see Celtic not functioning the way he did last season, you know... Is there something permeating that dressing room where it's, it's, it's negative to the point where Plus, the, the management have had to say, look, let's call a halt to this? Yeah. Or, you when, when you're in the Arsenal dressing room, room with Alexis Sanchez and you see him agitating for a move to Man U, a club that want to win the title and Arsenal really don't look like they want to, uh, you know, a team that are spending money on Pogba and Mourinho, you can maybe understand there might be a disquiet among the players going, God, do you need to let him go? He's trying to further himself here. I don't know if the Celtic players would feel the same knowing Dembele's agitating for a move to Brighton or West Brom. They might be thinking, if you want to go to West Brom, go. You know, it's it's not exactly a move up. It's not... My take on it is, and I said this earlier off, off mic, you know, I think there's a feeling with Dembele that he has passing going collecting his 200. Mm. He's here for as long as he wants to be here, as long as, as long as the package that comes in is acceptable and suitable to both parties, he will move on. Now, whether that's in a week's time, or six months time you know it, it, he's moving that's the bottom line because it's part of his big grand master plan yeah. you know but Celtic have to get the building blocks in place for their master plan moving forward you know they can't have a guy kicking around who's unhappy who could be a disruptive element in the dressing but I don't think he I, is. I think we're being unfair to him I agree he's not come out in the papers no, no, yeah. and, and I'm not I saying he is I'm just yeah. saying but before it maybe gets to that stage mm-hmm. You know, yeah. but there's the, the, the inevitability here that Dembele's moving on. Yeah, and but and that's everybody's accepted, and that. that's fine though because you know? as we just touched on, yeah, everyone's a selling club now. Even Arsenal and even Man U, Man U lose you know? Ronaldo to Real Madrid. Now everyone's a selling club more or less. I agree with Chris Sutton to an extent that some things that have been said have been pretty negative towards Dembele, and there's no proof that he's yeah. doing that. You know, he's an unhappy player because he's not. Jamie, you talked about the the problem with him might be that Celtic won't receive an acceptable fee. Can you put a figure on that? What do you think would be an acceptable fee for Dembele? Well, it's funny because there's there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk about transfer fees and and what a player's worth and what we can afford. And one one thing that we we always try and say is, well, Dembele's a forty million pound player. But then we go into tournaments like the Champions League and we complain that we can't keep up with the spending potential of other teams. But if Dembele's worth £40 million and we've got a £40 million player we just so happen not to spend £40 million for him I just I just think £40 million is it's, it's tell you what £40 million is it's another 30 or 40 goals this season it's doing it in the Champions League it's getting a France call up and going to the Euros and having a good Euros and then it's an Arsenal coming in for him the season he's had now you know I would take anywhere between 15 and £20 million with the appropriate sell-on because I do think Dembele's a real talent and I, and I think that if an English club comes knocking, then they're going to have to pay the going rate because strikers of his quality are hard to come by. I think if Celtic get twenty million, between twenty and twenty-two million, of want to watch with Dembele. I think they they would have planned for that all along. That they've got a right gem here, and talk of forty million was maybe when his stock was as high as it could possibly get. Yeah. 
you know, and if somebody that came in with a bit like that, it's a no-brainer, they would have been out the door, you know. And as we've seen with the likes of Indict, the selling fees yeah, arguably course, as important yeah, of course, as so the you, initial fee as well. You know, if this guy goes for 20 million, between 20 and 20 million, or 15, 20 million, Celtic keeps recouping another double figure yeah. millions in a sell-on. You're winning a lottery twice with the same yeah, ticket. This guy will go you. on to bigger and better things. He's a talented, talented boy. You know, and, and everybody has seen that and he's, and he's proved that. So, But uh, I think Celtic would be happy between 15, 20, 22 million. If they've got anything in excess of 20 million, they'll snap his hand off it. Again, go back to what Jamie says. Brendan Rodgers wanted to sell him on as a complete player to an Arsenal, to a, a Liverpool, a Man U, a Man City, somewhere like that. Celtic supporters might see that slap in the face if he goes to a team like Brighton or, or that equivalent, you know. But he can't stand in the way of natural progression in Dembele and his agents have clearly seen a natural progression route. Go to Scotland for a few years, go to England. Premier League, because that's what players want to be. It's, worth, that's for the money, it's worth noting that Brighton have signed a striker in the last week, so you know that might they're, they're interested. Might Dembele might have killed. Yeah, of course. So that that's that's another consideration as well. Moving on to another striker, then Lee Griffiths, the the hero last night. Now Rogers, Brendan Rogers was asked after the game, basically, will Griffiths be your number one striker if Dembele does leave? And he was non-committal on it. It's. It seems like it's there's been a bit of a frosty relationship from the start between Griffiths and Dembele, eh, Griffiths and Rogers. Sorry, would you say that's fair, Tony? I, I think he uh, didn't help himself the last time. He went to Fir Hill and he had the week in a spat, which was mm. like and everybody saw that, you know. But again, back again to what I said about Dembele, the manager watches the player every day in training. You know, I don't believe for a minute that Lee Griffiths doesn't bust a gut in training. You know, and, and it gives him any reason to, you know to be upset across and annoyed with him, you know. But there's something there in the relationship. There's a dynamic there that's broken down. But what can't be denied is that whenever Lee Griffiths comes onto a park, he gives his all for the club and he busts a gut every time and he takes it as a personal insult in our front if he doesn't score, you know. And and the Celtic fans will take that all day long over, even at Dembele and especially over Edouard. Now you ask, you canvass any Celtic fan at this moment in time. You get ten guys lined up outside for a box pop and say, who should be the number nine for Celtic? They would say Lee Griffiths. Ten out of ten would say that. No eight, no nine, no seven. Ten out of ten would say that. Because he's the best goal scorer at the club. I'm not saying he's the best striker or the best player, but he's the best goal scorer at the club. And he proved that last night. Because how many players would come on after being dropped like that? and spat the dummy and no tried. I think you'd find there's a, there's a fair percentage that goes through players' minds, you know? I, I love Lee Griffiths. I, I love that he's unrefined and unfashionable. I love that he's just seemingly this wee guy from Edinburgh who's absolutely dynamite at football, who, who's not got the physique and he's got the dodgy hair and he falls out with everybody all the time. And it, it, It's just, I just love, like, there's something raw about Lee Griffiths that I really, really like. And I think... That rawness can lead to problems, you know, he's, he's got a history of falling out with people and I honestly don't think, in fact, I'm almost on the fence and edging towards thinking that falling out with Lee, falling out with Brendan Rodgers might improve Lee Griffith's performance because he, every time he takes to that pitch, he's thinking, I'm going to make it impossible for you to drop me, have that, have that, I'm the, I, he says it all the time, I'm the man, I'm number one, you know, 
Dembele, I think, what, at one point last season, it might have even been after the Rangers game, I can't remember exactly when he made the comments, but Dembele just scored a hat-trick. Lee Griffiths gets rotated, scores, and goes, well, that's me scored now, the jersey's mine, and it's up to him to take it off me. You know, Lee Griffiths is absolutely committed to being the man at Celtic. And and that's the relationship he enjoys with the Celtic supporters. The Celtic supporters do love him. I mean, they, they, they really do love him. And as Jamie says there, he, he has a maverick. And they like those kind of players. He's, he is, to all intents and purposes, a Celtic player. You know, he's just a... Almost a cult figure. Yeah, yeah. and he's not, he's not refined. We know that. You know, everybody knows that about him. But uh, the, the, the relationship they have with the man, it's a mutual thing. He, he loves the fans too. And he, he just loves, uh, as I say, busting up for the club and, and the supporters. Although one thing I will say is, see if you've got fully fit Dembele firing all cylinders like it was last season... Dembele's first pick of course and that's why he's first pick yeah. because he's, he's as I touched on earlier he's a more talented guy than Griffiths but I tell you what Griffiths is he's more reliable than Dembele well you know Celtic quite ironically they could be looking at a bit of a striker crisis here because if Dembele leaves and the manager and Griffiths aren't getting along and in my opinion Edward doesn't have what it takes to be number nine you've sort of got no striker that the manager's really relying on. At the beginning of the season, you're thinking we've got two great strikers and one with great potential. And now in January, you're thinking we've got one away, one that's not really reached this potential, one the manager doesn't fancy. What a difference six months. I know. <laughs> and you're, again, going back to that diva perception, mm-hmm. you know, you're the great striker, you, you know, and then one who with great potential, now you're like, oh, oh my goodness, you know. And I, I wrote about this a few weeks ago when I said talk part of Brendan's smart thinking would be keep Lee Griffiths sweet because the last thing he would want would be somebody like that mm. agitating for him but he said today that he's, he's not interested in going anywhere else Just also. more on the relationship between Rogers and Griffiths do, do you feel there is a sense of mind games from Rogers to, to try and get the best out of Griffiths by not putting an arm around the shoulder and, and keeping him motivated by leaving him out or is it just that he doesn't fully trust him? I just think he, he just likes to say to him, listen, when the penny finally drops for you, you understand what yeah. I'm talking about mm-hmm. here. You know, because Griffiths has that tendency to just be wayward, maverick, say things and do things. You know, when you as much as everybody admires his goal-scoring record and he knows where the net is, you know, I, again, I get back to it, there's something there that the manager just cannot put 100% trust in him. He's not, I mean, if, I mean, let's be honest, Lee Griffiths is far from the complete player. You know, he's a good goal scorer, yeah. um, but his, his, his work rate, when we haven't got the ball, he, he doesn't really win the ball back, but some of his decision making is a bit iffy. So you can you can understand Brendan Rodgers' frustration. Brendan Rodgers saying, Lee, you're like 60% there, and I'm trying to make you the complete player. But Lee Griffiths is just focused on being Lee Griffiths all the time. And you can understand a manager's frustration um, with a player like Lee Griffiths, you know. They frustrate the life out of those type of players, you know, which is why you say, Gary, he, he does cap prod on them again, you know, and say, mm. are, are you listening? You know, are you, are you, are you going to do what I'm telling you? Because it's for your benefit, no mine. You know, and I, I just think there's... Like a, he clearly listens to some things and not others. You know? If the belly does leave then... Do Celtic need a replacement or can they rely on Griffiths and Edwards to, to the end of the season? And if they do need a replacement, what type of guy would you look to bring in yourself, Jamie? They, they do, they do, I, would, I would suggest they do need a replacement. But again, I would say that 
d- probably not in January. Probably because with the Bailey and Edouard, you've got two strikers. Sorry, with Griffiths and Edouard, you've got two strikers that can handle the Premier League. Um, I, I I would be hesitant to rush out in January and and buy somebody. Although you never know who's available on loan. You know, you never you never know. I think there's a lot of strikers down south. I think there's a lot of talent accessible to Celtic. Because clubs down south have got so much money, they can go out and buy really, really good players. And the sort of second string player, who, who was previously a first pick in the Premier League, has moved down to the second string, and they're looking for clubs. And Celtic have got access now to that second string. Um, look, for example, Sinclair. You know, a couple of seasons ago, Celtic could never have dreamed of signing Sinclair. I think there's a whole load of Scott Sinclairs, and it's just making sure you get the right one. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, I wouldn't... Uh if Dembele goes, then Lee Griffiths is an actual fit, you know, and there'll be no problems with someone like Lee Griffiths leading the Celtic line for the rest of the season, you know. It's, I just think Edouard has to do more. He has to raise his game at a, a considerable level. He's younger, wasn't he? What, is, he what, is he 19 I'm or something? I'm allowing for that. I'm allowing for the youth, you know, but he has to come in and look at what's going on around him and say, right, I need to, I need to raise my game here, I need to produce more. Because it's, it's even a hat-trick against Motherwell. Any other striker than Bella does it, Griffiths does it, it's brilliant. But nobody was shouting this guy's name from the rooftops. I mean, some people say, well, that's, that's all he did. You know? Which is just like, wow, you know? You get hat-trick any match, you've, you've done very well, you know? But if you're turning and saying, we kicked the ball three times and scored three goals, you know? And you're not contributing much more, then, you know? When there are days when you ain't going to score a hat-trick mm-hmm. most days. I mean, Edward's got the fundamentals, and if somebody turned around at me and says Celtic are going to sign Edward for, I mean, again, it, it, how much Celtic spend on players doesn't really concern me as long as the club's not going bust. But if someone said, you know, Celtic have agreed a four million fee for Edward, I'd be, I'd be comfortable with that. Worth the gamble. I, I'd be comfortable. I mean, he's, I get, he is only nineteen, and I'm trying to think, and maybe you can remember. When was the last time you seen a nineteen-year-old of of that? First of all, physique and talent in Scotland. Listen, the, the raw ingredients are there. I, I don't, I don't dispute that. And I'll, I'll, you would be happier for someone like that to sign under Brendan Rodgers because he would. Rodgers is a man mm-hmm. who prove him. You know that, and that's the big thing. If they're all still in it together moving forward, that, that's a good thing for Celtic because I think Rodgers is a man who would get the best out of him because the talent is definitely there. I'm not. Uh, having a go at this guy I'm just saying for someone who has talent you know he, he just needs to up it a bit you know and, and, and show it and maybe it is the youthful side of his neck that he's, he's maybe you know it's been a, a, a learning steep learning curve for him and you know an eye opener and a rude awakening coming to Scotland he's not what he's used to you know but he You'll be getting used to it now. He's been used to Molly coddled at Paris Saint-Germain yeah. and then he's getting flung in against you know, Partick right. Thistle away. Exactly. You know, and totally lead the line and um. lead it well. You know, and there's no resting place. If you if you fail as a Celtic striker, you sorry, no hiding place. You know, you, you, you will, you're analysed on everything. Moving on then, gents, to the transfer window in general. Now, Roger spoke of a possible revolving door transfer policy before the window opened. We've got about one week left. They've only signed Compare and Morgan, who's obviously gone back to St Mirren for the rest of the season. Are you surprised, Jamie, that there hasn't been more ingoings and outgoings at Celtic Park? I know. 
Well, first of all, Celtic's transfer, the January transfer window's a month long, but as we all know, the transfer window for Celtic and for lots of clubs in January really only starts the last three or four days of the transfer window. Um, there's two ways to approach a, a transfer window. You go out and you, you studiously study the market and make sure you're getting the absolute best value for the, the player who fits exactly your criteria, which is what I think Celtic do. Sometimes I think they do that to a fault. Sometimes I think they're too hesitant when it comes to when it comes to a player because there's 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 no guarantees. So sometimes you have to take that that risk. Or there's the ways that you know that you look across city rangers seem to be doing is scraping the bargain bucket for anyone who's willing to come and play for you just because they once supported you. And Celtic have been down the bargain bucket road before. We can all almost rhyme off the loan strikers that Celtic have picked up over the years and the amount of players that have came through the doors and not made it. So I'm torn because as I said in my blog, inside you're still that eight-year-old boy who's choking for the signing to turn up and you want the next superstar, but at the same time, it doesn't really work that way. However, one thing I will say is, if we get to the end of the transfer window and that's all the business we've done, then I would start to worry, because as much as I'm sure Brendan Rodgers committed to Celtic and doing the 10 in a row and all the stuff he talks about, there's one thing that Brendan Rodgers holds higher than his job at Celtic, and that's his reputation. And he's not going to stick about at Celtic, not getting back in the transfer window, not being able to do it in Europe and have his reputation slowly eroded down from Premier League manager to a guy that does okay in Scotland. So I think it's imperative that the board back Rodgers. Is it a case of him not being backed or is it a case of Rodgers wanting to be studious and not going for that panic buy? Well, I think there's an element of that. I just think maybe the players at Rodgers have done or maybe not available at the minute and everybody, all, every manager talks about January being a difficult window to bring somebody to come in and you know and, and make that difference and fit into the setup. you know but I just don't know why we call it a revolving door and then yeah, and then yeah. you know revolving door says to me that you're expecting a lot of churn or a, a mild amount of churn I just think it'd be very difficult for him to back out of those comments come the end of the window if nothing happens I, 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 I couldn't agree more. I, I also feel Something will happen at Celtic. I, I agree. I, I believe that three days before the window shuts, there will be some hectic transfer activity at Celtic. Because I think Brendan Rogers knows himself, and if he doesn't know, he certainly know after last night, I don't think you can go into the Zenit game with that defence eh, mm. in situ. Because, well, they'd be up against it if they did. So is defence still the key area? They really need to target. I mean, that's what we were talking about after the Champions League games, looking forward to Zenit. Defence is the number one priority for Celtic. Getting a big stopper in there that can defend. Uh, As much as I agree defence is a a key area that needs improved, does it need improved going into the Zenit game? I don't know. I I, I don't know. I think Celtic supporters would like to see it improved. No, no, I would. Because I think they believe that then it's possibly a doable one and they could get a, an extended run in Europa League but I think they think that if they don't sign someone then that run could come to an abrupt halt against well, it. and also as you say again the nature of that run coming to an abrupt halt could be another battering yeah. on Brendan's you know, illustrious CV which is getting tarnished with every European result with Celtic at the moment, you know. I just, I just think we've still got a league and a cup and to strengthen the overall squad. And I think if Brendan Rodgers doesn't manage to bring in a defender, then 
uh, you know, as, as difficult as that would be to swallow. I think, a, but another key area we really need is in midfield. We need a bit of creativity in there, well, desperately. I would, I would agree with that too. That they, they need creativity as well. But as a priority, I would, it would be the defence. And if they get a creative midfielder, and I've got one in mind, I, I think a lot of people are getting excited when we spoke about a, a re- being reunited with Joe Allen. Mm. You know, and I remember having a conversation with Joe Allen's agent before Euro 2016 and he just said that this guy's wages were stratospheric, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And eventually he signed for Stoke, you know, and I says, ah, Celtic were just a wee bit out. He says, I buy the odd nine million, <laughs> you know, so we just had a laugh about, you know, and, and that's the kind of silly dog. Did you say Celtic had someone in mind? No, I'm saying if they had oh, someone right, in mind, right. you know, of, of Joe Allen out, but that, that's the kind of signing that Celtic supporters would like. Yeah. You know, the creative midfielder that, and maybe the Brendan Rodgers factor could swing that because I don't think he's player of the month at Stoke, but Lambert's come in there, so he might get yeah. We did a, a Celtic podcast with Scott McDonald recently, yeah. uh, Tony, and he suggested that they might need a creative player, like you were saying, a number 10. But Tom Rogic is back in training seemingly yesterday, and on the defensive problem, Marvin compares come in as well, so yeah, he well, could be I, the answer. Yeah, but Marvin's not available for the Zenit game, eh? So, but I think a lot of salespeople wanted to see a defender that could come in and slot in for the Zenit game. Marvin compares came in. Yeah, I agree with that. It's fine, but I think a lot of salespeople want want to go far in Europe, Europa League. You know, uh, the number ten role, of course. I mean, that everyone wants a, a good number ten, and Rogic. As much as I like Rogic and he scores big goals, important goals and big important games, again I go by he doesn't do enough. No. That's all he does. And and he, the last minute winner against Mullow was all he did. Goal against Aberdeen was kind of all he did. I, I and he doesn't really do a full he, season either. He has to be more imposing because he's a big, big guy and yet he can't sprint away from somebody with a ball. Mm. You know, he gets dispossessed very easily and does that pivot thing and people can read him, no bother. There's a lot of games as well where he's hooked after 60 minutes. Yeah, that's another, it very rarely does 90 minutes. There must be a, a fitness issue there with him because they've got all the, these stats to hand, haven't they? So how can a guy, you're supposed to be pinning your number 10 hopes on no last a full game like that? I, I find that unfathomable, you know? I mean... Being ultra realistic, if Celtic went out and signed a top quality centre half, a top quality for Celtic, and then you've got Rodgers and Roberts coming back, you know that that would I think that would really change a, a lot of the way the team works. And also as well, I'm looking further ahead, but you've got someone like Ryan Christie to come back, mm. you know, and I think Celtic value him highly, or rate him highly, yeah. and he's had a cracking season with Aberdeen that the boy can play. And my philosophy in any football team is you can't get enough good players in your team. When people see these guys can't play together, you find a way of playing good footballers. Yeah, and I don't think he's any worse than Rodic, really, now. And and arguably, I think a lot of Celtic supporters would think he's better than Rodic because he's played a lot of games and the proof's there. He's a vital member of that Aberdeen team. When he functions, Aberdeen functions. Now, if he could transfer that, when Brendan Rodgers get... Ryan Christie back and he could bring that to the top team at Celtic then your, your number 10 problem could be solved Lewis Morgan as well and, and they've got high Brendan raised him highly he, he was a name that he plucked out the air after Celtic played St Martin mm-hmm. in the Scottish Cup you know and, and he, he, he clearly have high hopes for that young boy so 
and again, players who I think that Brendan can get the best out of by talking to them, nurturing them, and, and it's his kind of challenge. He likes to get young players and make them better. If I could impose a rule on the January transfer window for Celtic for further signings, it would be no more projects. <laughs> you know, no, no more, no more projects. I might be being unfair because technically you could probably class and charm as a project, but just, just go out and spend a bit of money and get someone that will walk straight into the team. If Celtic are going to bring in uh, players, and I, and I still believe they will, it will be tried and tested. Whether they have to splash the cash, then fine. But they have to bring in tried and tested and guys that can come in and go straight be pitched into a, a battle against Zenit. You know, because I don't think the supporters would settle for anything less. Looking forward to the weekend then. It's a tough game. Hibs, and if you recall, it was John McGinn and Cal McGregor who starred in the, the two-all draw earlier in the season. Tony, do you think this will be a tough game for Celtic? Hibs are one of those clubs that have made it difficult for, for a lot of teams recently, you know. And I know it's, it's a straight... I, I never really understand the same, but when Hibs are on their game, when Andy's on their game, they're, they're terrific, you know, but the, the cause, I mean, Hibs could easily have taken Celtics invincible run the last time they played at Easter Road, they, they drew to each, what well, they were a goal line clearance away from taking the run, and then they were a sitter away from getting beat, you know, so, but when Hibs function, they're, they're a decent side, and, a, and I'm, a, I'm a big admirer of John McGinn, I think he's a terrific player, you know, people say he's... Scott Brown's here apparent that's that's a, another uh, story altogether but uh, Hibs will come and, and, and we have them Hibs will be a tough tough day tough as they come you know because they're coming off the back of the Edinburgh Derby defeat in the cup and all the fallout from that you know so they want to me we point on that you know Jamie, I've got written on my sheet here what team do you expect Celtic to go with, but is it possible to guess these days what way Rodgers is going to go? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, I, I think you're going to see the same team that played against Partick Thistle. To be honest with you, with the inclusion of Griffiths. I right. think it'll be the team that ended against us the way it will. Yeah, ended, ended against us was a better way of putting it. it. Was, they only played two, didn't they? Correct. Because he took off uh, Lustig. Mm. Because maybe feel that Lustig would get sent off. But... Uh, I think maybe Edward might drop out. Yeah, and put Griffiths in. Yeah, put Griffiths in. So, same starting 11, but just swapping the strikers. Swapping yeah. the striker, I, I think that's what we'll do. I don't expect, I mean, touch with I don't, I don't. I don't know if I expect a tough game. I think Hibs, Hibs are struggling at the moment. Up front especially, they're a bit toothless. Um, I, I, it's, it's at Celtic Park. Um First home game, league game back. I just, I just, I just don't see it. I just see things going Celtic's way. I just think they're not functioning at the moment, the way they were last this, compared to this thing last year. And I think a lot of games at the moment are a struggle for Celtic. And but again, I can see a groove coming because mm-hmm. once they got into their groove in the second half, it was it was one way mm-hmm. traffic. But the the defence still gave you moments where you thought. It's they're still unsure of themselves yeah. at times, you know, they're, they're a mistake away from... But what would what would we consider a struggle, though? Because if Celtic beat Hibs, Celtic beat Hilton, Neil Lennon's Hibs 2-0 at home, would that be a struggle or would that be your, a, a it win? It if it's a comprehensive 2-0, with yeah. pummeling them and it's just bad in the post and the keepers having a great game, you know, but uh, I just think, maybe uh, not so much struggle, but I just think that at the moment there's a grinding out process yeah. going on with Celtic, it's, it's not as fluid. 
No, I agree. I uh, it's, it's not as fluid. I just you think. Know. But there's a there's a fluidity coming back yeah. slowly but surely. I, I, I would I would make that point. You know? the, the next the, the run of fixtures reads: Hibs at home, Hearts at home, Kilmarnock away, Partick at home in the cup before the Zenit match. So Celtic really do need to get into some kind of form, hopefully before Europa League match against Zenit. Listen, you're always told don't look too far ahead, but Celtic will want nine points out of nine from the league fixers. They want to be through to the next round of the cup eh, against Partick before they play Zenit. Anything less will be will be a disappointment to them. I mean, the Scottish F- I know Scottish football you get two weeks off and then you come back to three games a week for the next foreseeable couple of weeks and I think what will benefit Celtic is that those games leading up to Zenit are getting tougher and tougher so they start with Breakin they work their way through Hibs, Hearts they've got the magician at Kelly he's working absolute magic there that'll be a that'll be a tough game that's probably the hardest one of, of, of those three uh, sorry four games spell the Kelly away because you bet your bottom dollar up for the Hearts game yeah 100% both crowd and the players because because of what happened eh, with the principal run and stuff so I, I expect that not so I don't think it will be a, an easy game but it will be easier in the mind to process you know it is a big game but I think they'll just be fueled by that you know the Celtic players will think that they owe Hearts one for yeah. what happened plus I think Hearts surprised Celtic a, a bit yeah, I think with the, the energy and the ferocity of Hearts pressing, I think it's a price Celtic. They'll be geared up for that yeah. now. So, just finally, then, gents, we'll come to you first. Jamie, predictions for the Hibs game at the weekend? Comfortable Celtic win. I think 2 2 3 0. Tony? I think the same. <laughs> <laughs> not, not in the, the 2 0, 3 0 hammering type way. I think it'll be kind of labour a tough 3-0 a, a tough labour 3-0 <laughs> if there is such a thing brilliant well thanks very much for joining us Tony and Jamie today that's all from us this week we'll be back next midweek with the latest Record Celtic podcast don't forget to subscribe at iTunes or Audioboom to get the podcast as soon as it's available and if you liked it please review and rate us on there too thanks for listening thanks for listening